Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. We wanted to go ahead and put a content warning at the start of this episode since it may not be suitable for all listeners. Several of the topics that we do dive into in the discussion of what is family include things such as childhood abuse, domestic violence, and briefly we touch upon rape. So if any of those things are possibly triggering for you, you might just want to skip this episode. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy our dive into what is family. Welcome to You Dive Deep, where we dive into a single question each week and navigate through this tough thing we call life. Come on, let's dive in. Welcome to season two of You Dive Deep. I apologize for the long break in between seasons. I actually had some technical difficulties and lost quite a bit of work, but hey, we're back now. And I can't think of a better way to kind of have a premiere of season two other than having a very special guest. Her name is Tina from the Agents of Damned podcast. Welcome to the show, Tina. How you doing? Hey, Tommy. I'm good. How are you today? You know, I have been looking forward to this a lot. And I know before we even started recording, I was like, oh, happy Monday. And it's not Monday. It's actually Tuesday when we're recording this. So that kind of tells you where my headspace is. But even though I'm kind of discombobulated, I've been looking forward to this so, so much, not only because we're finally back podcasting, but I'm just excited to have you on here because our friendship is really, really cool. And I'm just excited for us to kind of dive into this aspect on top of a pretty deep topic today to kind of kick off season two. But before we do all that, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself so our listeners can kind of get to know you? Yeah, for sure. So, hey guys, my name is Tina or Christina or ex-Tina, depending on where you know me from, if you know me. Or Greekachu. Or Greekachu, yeah. That's another <laughs> another moniker I, I use. Yeah, no, I am a friend of Tommy's that we met in the podcasters community over on Discord. I think a couple of other people who you've had on the show have also uh, mentioned that that's where they've met you from as well. Yeah, we met each other there. And I don't know. I'm I'm a podcaster too. I got into it around this time last year with some friends. We did an actual play podcast for D&D and that's kind of why I joined the community and we met shortly after I think then and it's just been kind of a rolling friendship from there. Yeah, I completely agree. We definitely met through the kind of discord that we're talking about, a big community. And I feel like as soon as I joined it, I was kind of that new person, just kind of testing the water, see who is active, making little jokes here and there. And then you're always there to kind of be able to, you know, give me awesome layups to kind of dunk on awesome jokes. But at the same time, like reel me in when I kind of start bouncing off the wall. And I was like, oh, this Greekachu person, I like this person. <laughs> I think naturally I started gravitating towards you. And then since then, I don't know. It's, and I think that's a beautiful thing about communities and, you know, just everything within that context, we start to get a lot closer and it actually established a very real friendship. And so it's really cool because I guess in duration of time, I wouldn't say we've known each other for a long time, but when it comes to like everyday interactions, I feel like I talk to you more than quote unquote, my real life friends. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way saying, Tina, you're not my real life friend. <laughs> but I think that just is kind of cool to show, hey, we might not have known each other for very long, but I already feel like we talk a lot almost every single day and close enough to you where I'm like, no, no, like Tina's pretty awesome. And so that's why when I was starting to think of, hey, how can I kick off season two? I was like, oh, I know. Let's put all that pressure on Tina right now. So how do you feel being the season two premiere right now? Pretty nervous when you said that, hey, you're going to be the one opening the actual season two. I was just like, oh, great. Awesome. That's not concerning in the slightest. All right. <laughs> 
but no, I'm excited. Yeah. And <laughs> I was just really excited because we were bouncing around different topics and kind of different questions. And you kind of pitched a really, really great one. And I think it's perfect to kind of premiere with season two because it's such a deep topic. And it's really cool because I like to lay the context of our relationship because once again, it's not that we known each other very long and I don't even know this part of your life. So everything that you guys are going to hear right now, listeners, is going to be very organic. This is going to be the first time that I think I'm talking to Tina about a quote unquote serious topic. I feel like all the time we're joking around. So it's really neat where we're going to be talking about a much more serious topic, which is why you guys kind of heard that little disclaimer and discretion advised message in the beginning by the very beautiful and talented Tina, of course. But with that being said, let's kind of get to that topic at hand. The topic is or the question I should say is, Tina, how do you define family? Family for me and everything that I have experienced to actually understand what a family is, I don't think is defined by who you're related to or who you know close to you. I think it is more of a community. It's people who you surround yourself with that are not even people you've known for a long time necessarily, but that fill a void in your life, in your soul that is what you need. And sometimes family isn't going to be there for a long time. Sometimes friends aren't going to be there for a long time. But the important thing is that family is there for you. They're there to represent something to help you get through life and help you learn and grow and become a better person. I love that breakdown and definition because all too often we get really tied up of, oh, it's just who you're related to, blood relationship, uh, uh, who you grow up with. Like that is a definition of family. And with your breakdown, it kind of leaves it a little bit more ambiguous and kind of elbow room that we get to kind of almost select who our family is. One thing I definitely want to bring to you, especially because the way that this question is kind of worded, it kind of leaves it that we could take it to a lot of different avenues. And one of the avenues I definitely want to take is kind of get your take on kind of this quote of, Blood is thicker than water. What does that mean to you? I had a feeling you were going to use that quote, and I actually like the longer version of that quote, which I'm pretty sure is, blood is thicker than the water of the covenant. And it basically breaks down where just because someone is your blood relative, people like to always jump to that conclusion of, oh, I'm related to you by blood, so obviously I mean more to you than someone you've just met or a close friend. And I don't think that's true, and I've never thought that was true, because there are people who I've met in my life who have done more for me and who represent more for me than anyone that I'm actually related to, just based off of things that have happened in my in my life, based off of like racism and homophobia and other big like isms in life that people like to try to avoid. And there's been a lot of neglect and abuse and other issues that not not only me, but other people in my family have faced as well. And so that quote got thrown around a lot when I was a kid. And I I hate it. I, I don't think it's true. I don't think that people that you're blood related to can always be family. And sometimes it's better to consider people that are blood related to you not family for those exact reasons because they just bring too much negativity in your life. I absolutely agree. And I think the uh, quote unquote longer quote of the original blood is thicker than water is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Yep. And I try to do a little bit more research on this because I saw this quote c continue to pop up and it's almost like I'm not saying it's made up. 
but a lot of people who continue to say this is actually the longer version. There's actual no citation where I was able to pull it up. But the closest I was able to get was the quote, blood is thicker than milk. And by the thought of that, it's like the blood of your friends, the blood of your loved ones is thicker than the breast milk of your mother kind of thing. So that's kind of ties it real close. But I absolutely agree with you. The whole blood is thicker than water ism or phrase always got my blood boiling because growing up, it was almost like the get out of free jail card. Mm -hmm for your family like they could do something terrible they could neglect you they could abuse you mentally or it could be just a toxic environment and when they don't have an explanation of some of their actions or maybe they're upset with you saying oh why are you treating us that way and maybe i may or someone else will retort being like oh well because you're kind of being very neglectful and hateful but like oh well you know it it is what it is blood is thicker than water you always got to choose family over what other relationships you may have and i feel like just that context of where that ism at least for me and I would also relate to you kind of came up. It was almost like that eraser saying, oh, yeah, well, duh, family is allowed to do whatever they want because they have that one get out of free jail card. So it's really cool that you're able to kind of use that context saying, no, I don't believe that to be the full quote and then kind of being able to contextualize everything else. So with that being said, would you be able to disclose a little bit of how your definition of family kind of came about? What has the family life for you growing up? Yeah. So for me growing up, I was actually not raised by my biological mother and my biological father. So I'm actually the product of rape. So my mother, but not the not the way that most people think. My mother actually raped my father by telling him in high school that she was on birth control and one thing led to another and then I was existent and she knew what she was doing from the beginning because she is unfortunately probably, she's never been diagnosed, but I, I feel like she probably has narcissistic personality disorder. And I learned that from a very young age. I, I've known this information since I was in middle school. So I, I was raised by my grandmother, my maternal grandmother. And so she is a first to the United States person of her family. She was from Greece. And so she was really the person that I considered to be my mother. She unfortunately passed away when I was 15. But for me, when she passed away, it was like, oh, I lost my mother. And everyone kind of like that saw me growing up knew that's pretty much how it happened and how I felt about it because my mother was never really close in my life. Like, yeah, I'd see her and I would see my siblings when they were with her, but she was more kind of like a sister or an aunt. She was never really that mother figure as much as she wanted herself to believe it. She was just there for the good, the fun things, the pictures, the birthday parties, you know? But from there, when she passed away and I I started growing up, my, I have a little brother and a little sister, and my brother's closer in age to me. We're only about three years apart, so he was pretty much almost, you know, graduating high school and off to college and doing his own life um, around the same time that I was. But my sister is 10 years younger than me, and so she was being raised by my grandfather, who was now widowed, and other family who would come in and out of the house, and, and an uncle, and any of the girlfriends that he would have. Never really a consistent situation. Eventually, it got to the point, because my grandfather is not the most politically correct person. He's he's fairly racist and fairly homophobic. I, I actually had like a stand on a hill with him when I was in high school about dating my now husband because he's black. My sister was outed by her guidance counselor at the age of 11. 
I, I got a call from while I was at work one day from my sister saying the guidance counselor made me tell him I'm dating a girl. And I was like, what? And I just, I, I didn't even, my, I just told my manager, I'm leaving. I've got to go. Uh, she just saw the look on my face and said, yeah, no, do whatever. Uh, so I went to go get my sister and, you know, it was this whole big thing that happened. But from there, I, I always kind of was kind of like a mom to her because there is a 10 year age difference between us. And again, because my mother was never really a mother and her father, we have different fathers, was fairly terrible as well. He's he's fairly abusive and was out of her life from the time that she was a young age and just a whole lot of other issues. But that's more of her story to tell than mine. She's always kind of looked up to me in that mother way. And we've always had that Lilo and Stitch, Nani and Lilo vibe going on. <laughs> and from the time that I took her in after that, it's it's really been pretty much that where I've been raising her. So I've never really had a standard like mom, dad, brother, sister, family central unit. And I've always kind of had to create these family bonds with people I've met, with neighbors, with friends, with school teachers, with other unrelated adults from me. And it's just been back to back to back. And also just growing up as a child in a technical second generation immigrant situation, but in first generation immigrant child mindset because my grandmother was my mother was a very interesting worldview that a lot of other kids that were in our generation didn't really have. And I know you've mentioned that before too, that you kind of fill in that same space where you're your first generation from your parents as well, since they moved over. I, I don't remember where you said from, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, from Korea. Yep. From Korea. Yeah. So that kind of same space where growing up, you know, learning other languages and English not being your first language, because for me, it was actually Greek. And I used to only speak Greek. And that was all that we would speak in the house. And so learning English. And so with my grandmother, we would learn English at the same time, pretty much. And I helped her get better as I got older, too. It, it just all of those things kind of back to back just shaped what I saw as family and what I didn't see as family since it wasn't that standard setup. Well, first of all, I definitely appreciate your strength and being able to disclose something so raw with us. Just being able to disclose kind of your history with everything and just being able to put yourself out there is courageous and shows a lot of strength for hopefully our listeners that are able to kind of be able to connect that feel like they're not close to their family as well. But one thing I found really fascinating is almost this matronly quality that I immediately picked up even when, and it sounds silly, it's when in this Discord community, Community that I know we've been referencing a lot in this episode already, but it's almost like, oh yeah, Tina, Grikachu, that's like the mom of this server. She'll take care <laughs> of us. She's awesome, blah, blah, blah. And you could totally see that. So do you feel like a lot of that also has to do with the circumstances that you were kind of molded by? Oh, absolutely. Growing up, it was always, you know, help take care of your brother, help take care of the little one. And honestly, even among my friends when I was growing up, I was always kind of the mom friend, the I'm scared to do everything, but the second one of my friends is in danger, oh, get out of my way, I'm going to do it for them. There's um, one story I like to tell people is one of my friends was nervous to go talk to a guy and we were at a dance together and he was surrounded by other girls and I was like, oh, you want to go dance with him? Okay. And so I marched up and like literally pushed some girls out of the way and said, hi, my friend wants to dance with you. And they they danced. Um, nothing really like came of it from there, but that's just that the personality I have, like I would never have the gall to do something like that for myself, but my friend was nervous and wanted to do something. I said, okay, fine, I'm doing this for you. And that's just always how I've, I've been and always kind of how my personality has been. But I, I 100% think it was shaped by the fact that I've always kind of had that motherly 
persona pushed on me by others, which isn't a bad thing, but. And I think that's just so important because I know a lot of the times, especially the word family in this generation or context now that it's been more contemporary, I feel like has almost been viewed in a negative way because there's too many times where people focus on the negative slash toxic context in which that word kind of surrounds itself in. But the one thing I definitely want to shine is how important family is because it absolutely shapes your personality and shapes who you are as a person. So it's really neat to see someone like you and just someone so warm, someone so inviting and caring, kind of being grown up and molded in this way with the circumstances given. Like for myself, like I mentioned, and you hit the nail on the head in my past episodes, I definitely did disclose that I am from a first generation. I spoke Korean and my mom had me when she was very, very young. And then since then, my parents got divorced. It was really, really messy. It involved uh, domestic violence, a lot of altercations between me and my father, and it just did not look good. But there's additional layers in that me being a Korean in an Asian culture. And I don't want to speak for all, I guess, Eastern Asian culture. I want to speak to Korean culture specifically. The way that family is structured is almost like societal class slash power struggle. Like the father is the man of the house and they're really old school in that way. And then Mm -hmm. me as his child and as his first son, I'm always working to try to win his approval and things like that. So it's almost like this very barbaric way of trying to win his approval and things like that. And it was also a really, really strict household. My mom, I felt like one of the big reasons why we didn't see eye to eye is she had very different expectations. I have one sister that's younger than me by three years. She's phenomenal. But one thing I am always really quick to maybe jump to, and it's really unfair for me to say, is I always felt like my mom had different expectations for myself and my sister. Like just one circumstance or one situation will be Mm -hmm. I can come home with like a B minus and my mom will ground me or be really upset or actually beat me. She used to hit me on my the bottom of my feet and my hands with a bamboo back scratcher because she knew that wouldn't leave a mark and it would it would suck. But then my sister can come home with like a C or something. She's like, oh, no, that's fine. Like, you're good to go. And then like little things like that started to rub me the wrong way. And then ever since the divorce happened and things, that's really frowned upon in at least the Asian culture. Like it's almost prohibited and you get pretty much blacklisted from your family. And so with all these kind of weird things happening growing up, I think that shaped my personality a lot because I grew up in such a cold and such a strict household that I always felt like I couldn't really express myself because I was walking on eggshells. I never wanted to make my mom really mad at me because she had a short temper or my dad. There was a big language barrier because I was focusing so much on how to speak English. I slowly started to forget not a lot of Korean, but enough where I would comfortably be able to have that conversation with my dad because he barely showed any interest in me anyway. And so it's all of these weird things where when I went to school, that was my outlet. Mm -hmm. I got to be silly. I got to be fun because I know when I'm at home, I was more bottled up. So it's really cool to see how our family lives impact kind of who we grow up to be, but also trying to have that kind of awareness. What other kind of personality traits would you say were derived from kind of your family life? So a lot of who I am is basically me trying to put good out in the world. I don't, I'm not personally myself a very religious person, although I do find myself more classified under the spiritual thinking. So for me, it's more that I want to be the kind of person that does good and is received by others as good. And that's just because of how much negativity I constantly saw growing up. So much screaming and shouting and plates being broken and 
you know, the domestic violence, the emotional abuse, all of it. And I saw that and I took it and I said, no, I'm not, I don't want to do that. I don't want to replicate that in my own relationships, whether they're romantic relationships or friend relationships or being a parent figure for my own sister now. I don't, I don't want that. We're going to talk things out. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. If you need space before we talk about it, that's fine, but we're talking. I'm not going to leave this kind of thing sitting here in the air where it is something we're going to come back to and scream at each other later. It's something where I always want to make sure other people are not necessarily comfortable because not everything is going to be a comfortable conversation, but everyone knows that even if it's not a comfortable conversation, we're going to have it and it's going to be okay. We'll work through it and we'll make it work. Yeah, I think in a really weird way, it has a really strong tie, like you mentioned, with all the different generational views. Like you said, your grandfather was probably more conservative, uh, very racist. My parents were that way as well. I'm not, and this sounds so rude, but Mm -hmm. for a lack of a better term, they were very close-minded. They had their ways of thinking and that was the correct way of thinking anything else that kind of challenged that they just instinctively got really mad or really upset. I feel like it's really neat now with I am a millennial. Millennials are people born between 1981 to 1994. And I fall into that category. And that almost has a derogatory term, just like boomers nowadays has a derogatory term. I feel like anyone labeled a boomer is essentially someone that's older than me. That's more conservative than me. Whereas millennials are also viewed in a derogatory term of someone that's younger than me that is less conservative than me. So it's almost like this power structure kind of fighting back and forth. But one cool report that I saw, it's a Pew Research Center report that stated that 68% of people in their 20s were married in 1968, whereas that number absolutely plummeted to 22% in 2018, with about 39% of those respondents saying that marriage is now obsolete. So a lot of people are probably thinking, Tommy, why are you just reading a bunch of marriage statistics now? I feel like the generational divide, uh, the Gen Y slash millennials, it's interchangeable, that term, are getting divorced less, but they're also getting married less as well. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I feel like it has a direct impact on what you and I have been seeing. I'm not saying it's been very common that a lot of people don't have a great family life. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want to romanticize it or make it so dramatic to saying, oh yeah, so many people have the same exact kind of uh, upbringing as us and view family in that way. But one thing that the research also states is millennials are taking a lot longer to get married. They typically wait until after graduating college or being more financially stable and then taking that next step. Mm -hmm. But I think another thing that obviously kind of shines a light to why they're waiting a little bit longer to get married is maybe they have been exposed to not having the greatest upbringing, but it's really cool because back then when your family might have been more neglectful or have been more toxic in things, you just go with it because you don't know any better and your parents will just say, this is just how it is. You know, blood is thicker than water. This is how it's supposed to be. Whereas now we have all the information in our pockets, whether it's Discord, whether it's somewhere on the internet in a chat room, whatever, people figure out, wait, no, this is so messed up. This isn't how it's supposed to be. This isn't that loving environment that people talk about in family. And I feel like that puts so much power into the people growing up that definitely starts to change that definition of what family is. And I feel like depending on which generation you have grown up with, family is seen completely differently. There are some people that kind of classify family as undying loyalty to blood saying, hey, no matter what happens, there are cousins, there are dads, there are moms. We have to deal with it. We love them because that's how it is. 
don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, oh, I don't love my mom. I don't love my dad. No matter what had happened, that mm-hmm. is biologically true. They are my mom. They are my dad. But that doesn't mean that immediately gives them a pass. Whereas maybe a generation says, well, no, you're just being ignorant. You, you have to love them because of your blood. Whereas I feel like the more contemporary generations, the millennials and maybe even the Gen Z are saying, no, that's not how it is. We're not just going to say it is what it is because we have the power to kind of change that. So what do you think that generational divide kind of helps define that word family? And what do you think that kind of contributes to in the future? I think for a lot of people that are in the younger generations, as you kind of said, they are taking longer to get married and they are taking longer to jump that line or if they even do jump that line of crossing that boundary in a relationship. I don't necessarily know that it is fixing family problems such as domestic violence or anything. I feel like that's its own statistic to look into, but I think economics definitely play a part in it as far as where the world is right now. Absolutely. But I think a lot of people in the younger generations are starting to see that you don't have to do things based off of a certain timeline, that you can set your own life and do things on your own pace that are not necessarily given to you by the generations beforehand. You don't have to follow that same exact pattern and do these things because they're expected of you. Now, that's not to say that there aren't cultures and there aren't areas in the world that that's not pushed on people because it definitely is. There's definitely people where it's like, oh, you're not married by this age you're old or you're no one want to marry you <laughs> you know it's it's something where it's definitely a little bit of a cultural and a location based situation for sure But I know a lot of people with access to the internet and access to talking to more people than we ever have before with the jump in technology in the early 2000s to now, that people are able to see what's happening outside of their own smaller worlds. And so it's definitely impacting how people are perceiving what they previously thought was, hey, this is fine. No, it's not fine. It's not okay to to constantly be screaming at at each other or just accept things because that's what you did beforehand. Some things you don't need to accept. You know, you see it in in women fighting back in areas where, oh yeah, previously women were allowed to just be thrown acid at. Like, no, that's not okay. It's never been okay. But now that we have access to other things, people are like, yeah, no, it's definitely not okay. We're backing you. And with family, even still, it's, it's part of why people are starting to evolve and accept like, okay, yeah, they are my family, but that's not okay. Let's try to figure out what's going to happen here if things can change. And it's sad that sometimes those things aren't going to get better for some people. At least for a lot of people, there's the option now. I absolutely agree. And I feel like a perfect microcosm or an example of what you're kind of explaining is the fact that back then or even till today, it's a very widespread and I don't want to say problem, but a lot of times my wife and I, we've been married for three years. Uh, We're going to be celebrating our four year in 2021. And I feel like one question a lot of people ask is, oh, so when are you having kids? Where in itself, that's such an innocent Mm -hmm. question. But there are so many issues that kind of surround that question, right? I feel like it's almost inappropriate to ask that when you start to contextualize that question within itself. And it's now becoming more widely accepted saying, hey, that's not an appropriate question to ask. Like they're 
probably going through some things. You don't yeah. know if infertility is involved. You don't know if there are miscarriages. And I know that's being dramatic, but you also don't know if, hey, maybe they just don't want kids or they're not financially ready for them. There's so many factors where when you just ask it just for fun or you're just curious, that's okay. But it's always the older generation. And I don't want to kind of pigeonhole that, say, oh, no, it's always them. No, no, no. I definitely have my friends that are younger than me that ask that as well. But it's a kind of a perfect situation where as we are getting older and more aware of information, we're starting to realize, hey, maybe there are other factors involved, just like what family is. And for me, I think a perfect way for me to describe family isn't with a just a straight up, I guess, definition. It's just a lot of different words. And for me, family is it's love, it's guidance, security, someone to come home to, someone in your corner that supports you, someone that laughs with you, loves with you. But ultimately, what it boils down to, if you were to say, just use one word, as much as I want to say love, it is so subjective and hard. And I feel like that's such a cop out way to say it. But for me, it will just be safety. I was just thinking the same word. Yeah, it's feeling safe with people. Right. <laughs> Isn't that what it is? Like in this community in discord, I consider you guys my family because Tina, if I just didn't hear from you for like five days straight, like I'm tagging you saying, hey, Tina, what's going on? I just don't hear from me. I would get genuinely concerned. And I'm not saying I wouldn't get concerned from my other actual blood <laughs> relatives. That's not what I'm saying at all. But because I interact with you every day, I feel safe. I can be myself. I can be silly. I can do whatever. We are having this genuine friendship because we care about each other and respect each other. But honestly, it's that safety knowing that I can just be myself, be so comfortable. And that's what it's almost like this environment that kind of nurtures itself. And that's what family is. And you could find that in any kind of context. And I felt that a lot while growing up, too. I know it wasn't the best family life, but within my own family, of course, there are times where I could go away and ask my mom a certain question or ask my dad a certain question, even though uh, when I look back, it's like, yeah, that wasn't optimal. But it, the beauty of it is we don't have to define just that blood relation as family. I know a lot of people will say, well, I don't have a family or I always feel alone. And while they might think that's true. It's almost like you can make a family uh, in any yeah. way. Well, not biologically. Of course, I might get inappropriate on how you would make a family, <laughs> but I think more in a subjective term is you could reach out with people that you have common interests with as long as you feel safe, as long as you feel like there's a connection. I feel like that's what family can be. But what would you say for people that might be struggling and always feeling like they are alone, they don't have a family and just continue to feel isolated and neglected? You started to kind of hit it right on the head where family doesn't always have to just be you know, people that you are related to or that you are close with in that way. Sometimes family can be things like, oh, hey, I work with these people, so they're my work family, or I go to some kind of a hobby group, or I'm in a certain area a lot and I see these same people, or I shop at somewhere a lot. Those people you see and reach out to and communicate with can sometimes also be a part of a family and offer support where needed. But in the case that someone was in a situation where they are truly and absolutely feeling that absolute sense of aloneness and that they don't think they have anyone, that's where you sort of want to step in and say, I need to talk to someone that maybe can help. That's where professionals need to start getting involved because that despair, that loneliness isn't a normal feeling. It's something that you can get through and work through without community, without a family structure, mm -hmm. whether it is a work family or a friend family or some other type of group. It can be really 
really hard to get past that. And sometimes if you don't have that kind of a situation already and you are able to keep going, you can build those situations. You can build those families. It's like, hey, I have an interest in photography. I'm going to start going to this photography club. Obviously, maybe not in person at the moment until things start getting a little bit better with, with the current situation with COVID. But there's lots of online groups, lots of online setups where people can just jump in on Discord or jump in on Facebook groups and say, hey, I'm interested in blank. Here's who I am. And a little bit about that is being vulnerable with people and sort of showing who you are in some capacity because without giving some of that, you're not going to receive any of it back from other people. And it's scary to be vulnerable with other people in that way. But it's also one of the easier ways to relate with people and to start building that sort of setup for online families or friend families. I love that you mentioned vulnerability because there are so many times where people can force an issue saying, oh, I'm alone. So I'm going to I'm going to go make these friends and force them to be my friends and then they will be my family. And it's almost like it's such a superficial way to go about it. You Mm -hmm. almost have to leave yourself vulnerable, like you mentioned. But one thing I definitely want to ask you is it's a struggle I had with myself. I was not on good terms with my mom. Since then, uh, my mom are on much better terms and things like that, which I'm very, very happy with. But at the time, I was almost embarrassed by how my relationship with my family was. And to put it into context, I know I mentioned it before in a podcast, when I got married, literally no one in my family was invited except my sister. She was the only one in my family to show up and the only one that was invited. And that's just kind of uh, one example. But there were a lot of times saying, hey, uh, when was the last time you talked to your mom? Or they'll be like, dude, that's like your mom, man. Like, how, how can you do that? Or blah, blah, blah. And they're, while they're absolutely correct, there's a lot of assumptions saying, hey, wait, wait a second. Why is it all on me? You don't understand what has happened. You don't understand the story or how it got to this point. In the back of my mind, there was always a little bit of resentment on myself saying, how did I let it get to this point? And then it's almost like I am not saying Stockholm syndrome, but saying, hey, even if it wasn't my fault, it it is up to me to kind of fix. And that's kind of what it ended up being. I had to kind of swallow my pride and ego and say, hey, I want to patch this. I want to see how this goes. So I guess this is just a long winded way of saying what advice would you give to people that maybe aren't even able to acknowledge that they are in a toxic environment or not in a good place only because they're in that mindset? Oh, no, that's just my mom. That's just my dad. This is just how it is. Like, I don't know what you guys are talking about kind of thing. I feel like that particular question is broken up into two separate things and two separate situations almost. So for people that are in that situation that are living it at the moment day to day, it's coming to terms, I think, individually with the idea that the situation's toxic, that the situation has problems. And then deciding from there the sort of relationship you want to build, because I'm so glad that you were able to rebuild that relationship with your mother and that you're in a place where for you, it's a good thing. But that's not for everyone that that situation is going to work out that way. And I don't think that for everyone to say like, oh, I have to rebuild this relationship with this person, that that's necessarily something that is is good for everyone. You know, I'm no contact with my mother. And that was the realization I sort of had to come to over many, many years. I sort of went no contact back in high school. And, you know, a therapist was surprised when I was explaining what was going on. She was like, well, you've just kind of come to terms with the situation. I was like, I mean, I've been living it my entire life. So this is where I am being basically treated like an adult from the time that you're a kid will do that to you. But I I tried to reestablish a, a relationship with her to help her get through her vices when I was in college. And I sort of got to see her being more of herself, being more of that narcissistic, manipulative personality. And 
you know, she would say one thing and then do another. And it ended up being where I had to decide, okay, for me and myself, this isn't a good relationship. But also as a maternal figure to a child right now, it's not a good thing for them either. And so for multiple reasons, it sort of turned into one of those, this relationship's not fixable. It's not rebuildable. And I don't have to explain myself to her because I've already explained myself to this person a lot of times. And if they can't realize it, then that's on them. We're all adults and that relationship doesn't need to necessarily happen because just because you gave birth to me does not entitle you to my relationship with you. And so I think for people that are in situations, it's important to examine what you want out of that situation. And then once you are out of it, to know, do I need space for myself? Do I want to rebuild this? Is it healthy to rebuild it? Because in some situations, if there's things like domestic violence happening between you and a parent or you and any other kind of relative, it's not always a good thing to rebuild. And I feel like people having issues cutting contact with family can be a lot of, or blood relatives, if you no longer consider them family, to be a lot of problems too. And where you draw a line is going to be different for everyone and what is a core value for you. But to know that it's okay sometimes that you don't have to always rebuild things is a good acceptance to come to, I feel like. But if you also do want to rebuild things, it's not a bad thing. It doesn't make you weak or strong to do one over the other. It's what's best for you and your group, your core. I think the most important thing is, do you honestly feel loved or do you feel like you're being nurtured? Do mm-hmm. you feel safe with this person? If And that's what it should be. Don't try to make excuses just off the top of your head. Just say what you feel in your gut. And if it's a negative, if it's a no, or if it's um, sometimes maybe, I feel like at that point, they're your blood relative. Biologically, they are your family, but not our definition of family. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the silver lining between kind of not having the best home life and family life in general, the silver lining for me is it almost stresses an importance. It's almost like saying, hey, I know I'm the first generation, but I can promise you my second generation, my kids will not experience. I will try my best to kind of give them what I define as family. So it's almost like we have this power to obviously control our story, but also kind of mold how our children will see. I want them to think that family is this, you know, Disney version of, oh my gosh, I'm so surrounded by two parents. Uh, It doesn't matter what gender, it could be two dads, two moms. I don't care, but it's just- Or sometimes more parents. Sometimes people are in relationships that are bigger than that. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So I just want them to think I am in an environment where I feel supported, loved, and I feel safe. And so do you feel like that had a similar impact on you? Because it sounds like through your strength and everything, you're forced to mature at such an early age, but I'm assuming it had a very strong impact on on how you feel about relationships with other people, whether that mean romantically or friendships and things like that. It feels like you're just so caring, almost to a fault, so selfless. And I feel like kind of your upbringing has really influenced how you kind of envision what you would want a family to be. Oh, 100%. Honestly, like being completely honest, I've had to start listening to my dog and how he feels about people to know if someone's actually decent. Because if he doesn't stop barking at them or if he doesn't start growling at someone, even after they come in our apartment, even if I want the best for them and I want to be caring towards a person as a friend or whatever relationship they feel, then I have to re-examine, okay, how is this person really? You know, are they good for me? Are they good for the rest of my family if he doesn't like them? Because he kind of is that that extension of me and that I don't have since I do want to give to others what I didn't have in those interactions between people. So yeah, I think so. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's just such a beautiful quality because 
it's so scary because in the real world, there are people out there that might be a little bit more, I guess, narcissistic. They're always out for them and they want to take advantage and manipulate people. And it's kind of cool through basic traits, whether it's a dog, cat, bird, whatever you have, they just know like, hey, this person is bad news. Don't let them take advantage of you kind of thing. So it's so cool to hear things like that come up, of course. But there's just so many different things on what family can be. But I think the most beautiful thing that I'm taking away from this personally is it's our own definition. We, we can't allow what blood family, whatever the how it has been, allow it to influence and how it stays in our minds, because my family technically is so small. I don't have much relationships with my family at all. And still to this day, I don't. I have no contact with my dad because he's over in Korea. I don't even know how to get in contact with him if I wanted to. And although things are repatched with my mom, well, I might see her once, twice a year. And I'm just deliberately doing that to try to keep everything OK. But I know it's due to my efforts and things like that. And it's something that I'm trying to see, is it worth it? And to me, at least at this moment, the answer is still yes. But the cool thing is I'm in control of that. I'm the one that is deliberately making the decision Mm -hmm. to try to repatch things and continue to see what family is, how I define it, my friendships, the people close to me is how I define it. So with all that beautiful things said, Tina, how would you define family? I still define family as the relationships that you would build with other people that you put out there. But I will extend it to the terms that we've discussed where you have a safety net in people where you feel that you can be safe and vulnerable and loved by them. But I still think it does not have to be people that you're blood related to. I absolutely agree. And I feel like that's what's so beautiful. And that's I honestly feel like is getting to a lot, especially in the more contemporary age. A lot of people always say, you know, as a joke, oh, yeah, that's like my brother or no, they're definitely my family now. But I not as a joke anymore. Now it's so much more real. Uh, a lot of my really, really mm-hmm. close friends, if anything were to happen, I'm sure you're the same way. If they were admitted to the hospital, I'll be already in my car driving over, kind of similar to like what you said with your sister when you just left work and then your boss was OK, yeah, yep, nope. Yep, you go do that right now. Similar in that situation, I'm sure someone close to you, someone who you consider family, not even blood related like we've discussed, you would be the first person to ensure that they're okay. Because to you, they are your family. They're closer to you than other people would have been. And I feel like it's almost that environment that you create with you is kind of what that ultimately begins to be. So I really appreciate you being able to kind of share your past, but also kind of be able to have that optimism. And I feel like that's one thing I always tie to that has originally had me gravitate over to you when we first kind of started to talk in all of this. I was like, wow, this person's awesome. They're so warm, inviting. And I know if I already said those words, but it's just this little glow of optimism, a little glow of hope. And I would have never, ever thought that's what your, I guess, family life would have been. And I don't even want to use family life because it doesn't even fit the definition of what we kind of are putting out there right now. And I think that's some, it gives me comfort to know that no matter how it's been, you don't let that dictate it. You don't let that control your views on things because you can kind of be in control on how that continues to be. With that being said, I always like to have a little bit of a palate cleanser. I know we always kind of go a little bit, not super deep, but at least the content of what we're discussing tends to get a little bit deeper. But I know I already gave you a heads up, Tina, and this is something I'm very much looking forward to asking you. But another question to kind of change it up is, you know, what would your last meal look like? Let's say an asteroid is about to hit Earth right now and you're like, oh, man, I really got to make these calories count right now. I get to do whatever (laughs) I want. Tina, you're about to die, unfortunately. But what would that last meal look like? What's your drink, (laughs) main course? What's the dessert? I want to know. I need to know. 
All right, so you know how there's that meme that goes around that says girls never know what they want because they want something from everywhere? That's 100% what's happening here. So we're going to get a chocolate milkshake with whipped cream on it. No cherries because I hate cherries. I don't like uh, maraschino cherries. They're too sweet. I like like natural cherries, like the dark red cherries because I like Uh a little bit uh of sourness. Uh, But that's what we're having, uh, a milkshake. I would also have a vanilla float Dr. Pepper. It's a specific flavor of Dr. Pepper because Ooh. I am a huge Dr. Pepper person. Uh, one of my very Hashtag close friends... Hashtag not a sponsor right, yet. Yet. Uh, one of my close friends actually has a bite on her shoulder, like a bite mark, because when we were really, really little, she took a Dr. Pepper from me and I did not react too keenly. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's still my friend, which is good, because otherwise I'd be an annoying story for her. <laughs> um... But yeah, Dr. Pepper. Uh, and for like main food, it would be spaghetti with meat sauce Ooh. the way my grandmother used to make it because there's a very specific Greek style meat sauce that I love and try to replicate constantly. But uh, Ooh, wait, what makes it the Greek style? I am intrigued. Well, I know. So there's different spices in it, you know, standard Greek spices, but also a lot of Greek dishes with meat include cinnamon, which is a weird spice for people to include with meat. But yeah, cinnamon goes on everything thing I've heard because it can make it work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I put cinnamon in so much stuff. My husband's just like, why is there so much cinnamon in our pantry? I'm just like, you don't need to know because... <laughs> <laughs> don't ask. Just eat and enjoy it. Your taste buds will thank me later. Right. Uh, but I'd also probably have like Olive Garden breadsticks because let's be real, those things are delicious. I mean, that's why we go to Olive Garden. Right. Uh, exactly. And then we would have a salad. There's, I, obviously, I'm not finishing all of this because there's not enough room in my stomach for it. Hold on, hold on, hold bites. on, hold on. Time out, time out. It's your last meal and you're throwing a salad in? Oh, you're a better person than I, I am, Tina. Okay, I love spinach salad. Like salads like with a spinach base with some strawberries and mandarins and pineapple oh, and walnuts boy. and Here chicken with all, uh, Italian dressing. Oh my gosh, yes. I love that salad. That's my favorite <laughs> salad ever. I don't, Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, so there's going to be that. And also, we're going to throw in some chocolate-covered strawberries that have been dipped in vodka first. Because if you haven't tried vodka-dipped strawberries with chocolate coating, do it. One of my neighbors gave me some. Amazing. So many life hacks I'm learning today. <laughs> They're so good. And, oh, green beans that have uh, garlic butter green beans. Yes. Now, okay. You could sign me up for that. Like, I'm a vegetarian. I love salads and stuff just as much as the next person. But if I'm about to die, that is not even close to being on the menu. But some nice garlic butter green beans. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. You you got me back. You, you have me back for more. And the only thing I'm learning so far is, A, you have quite an exquisite palate. But more importantly than that, never, ever, ever get in between you and Dr. Pepper. I think that is kind of the takeaway that I'm learning right <laughs> now. So I got to ensure that that doesn't happen. And I know one thing I definitely want to mention, too, is in this Discord server, there's like this uh, one little channel where you can kind of share pictures of what you're eating and stuff. Tina always has like the most delicious. Like, I don't even like coffee, but this mug of coffee always has some whipped cream on it. And for some reason, if I were to ever drink coffee, I'd be like, all right, yep, Tina would be the barista. She would be the one to create me the coffee I want to drink. And I know I said (laughs) before the show, so I was like, I I wouldn't be surprised if you're like Leslie Note from Parks and Racks and always just has like an emergency thing of whipped cream in case like you stumble upon something like, you know what? I'm just gonna put some whipped cream on this and you'll be like, yep, yep. Now it tastes so much better. Maybe it's that way now, but with cinnamon, maybe it's actually cinnamon that you carry around. 
<laughs> it would be both, let's be real. I'd have both <laughs> 100%. And we can't forget that the time that I tried putting whipped cream on soda because I was curious about if it would be like a root beer float or something. And you were just like, wait, I thought you said baking soda. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> she legitimately, like I read back and it so specifically says, have you guys ever just tried whipped cream on soda? And like, of course, that probably sounds delicious. You add just a little bit of whipped vanilla-like flavor to any soda. That sounds great. But for me, for some reason, my brain thought she said, have you ever tried putting whipped cream on baking soda? So I legitimately thought she just was pouring out a little bit of baking soda and just putting some whipped cream and eating it. I was like, oh my gosh, does Tina just put like whipped cream on whatever she wants and just eats it? So I was envisioning yes. her just like being like, oh, you know what? Oh, we didn't go grocery shopping. What opens fridge? What do we have here? Oh, uh, we just have some con. All right. Let let me just get a cup of, you know, mustard and just put some whipped cream on and that, that'll make it that'll make it edible. So that's what put I was some envisioning. deli meat. <laughs> yeah, deli meat. Just put some whipped cream. So I was kind of low key crushed that that's not what it was being. But then faith in humanity was OK. OK. Yeah. Tina is not a psychopath. But you know what, Tina, with that being said, uh, where can uh, listeners find you? What, what have you been up to? Yeah. So we have, as I mentioned, I joined a podcast community because we have a podcast. I play Winterra Dark Knight over on Agents of Damned, which is an acronym that stands for the P Department of Adventures Maintaining Normality and Eradicating Debacles. It's a Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast. We are just entering our second season and are very Ooh. excited to do it. So we're actually starting just about around the same time as you for second season. So you can find me over there. Uh, I'm at Greekachu, anywhere you'd like to find me, or if you'd like to listen to the podcast, uh, Agents of Damned, or obviously you're listening to Tommy's podcast, but I highly recommend you go back and listen to season one because there are some great episodes. But you can find us over at Agents of D on Twitter uh, or Agents of Damned on Instagram, uh, Agents of D on Facebook as well. And we're pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And don't worry, everyone, I'll have all the links in the description in this show doc so you won't have anything to worry about when you want to get some more of tina so don't you worry but before i let you go tina is there any final life advice what is some tina advice for the world out there oh boy let's see if you ever want to hide a body <laughs> just put whipped cream all over and <laughs> tina will just show up and eat it no, uh, what I was going to say is apparently uh, Lake Tahoe is a great place to hide a body, according to an environmental teacher I had at one point. But <laughs> no, See these uh, life that's hacks not you real. get from You Dive Deep? This is why my listeners come and listen. Oh, they absolutely should. But uh, for actual life advice, I put out what you want in the world. If you are giving good things in the world, then even if it doesn't happen immediately, then things are going to come back. It's that kind of like karma cycle, I feel like. And you'll make closer connections with people by trying to give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt. Not everyone is deserving of the benefit of the doubt if they are terrible people, but it will make life a lot easier to approach things in a neutral or warm regard rather than antagonistic right off the bat. I am just so lucky and privileged to call Tina someone that has this wholesome, genuine of a soul as my friend. And I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but she's someone who I already consider as family, someone I look up to, someone that I care for, and Aww. someone that I know has their best interest for me as well. So with that being said, just like Tina mentioned, put some good out in the world. But before you go, definitely always think, listeners, how do you define family? So it's your turn to think about the question. What does it all mean to you? Don't be afraid to really dive deep and ponder the question. Until next time. <laughs>